You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional audio resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Man, well, we're in a series on the mission, vision, and values of Northway Church. If you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been tracking with us for a little bit, and Shay started off talking about that our mission, like why we exist, is we wanna glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among all nations. And we talked about, man, if that happens, the picture, the vision is that our city and all places would encounter the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus. And we kind of swung the hinge a little bit and just started talking about our values, that like, how are we gonna do that? We talked about scripture, the word of God, God, and we talked about um, just the being led by the Holy Spirit. We talked about worship, and that we're all worshipers. And last week we talked about love. And man, just to to put this together, like these traits, they're not. It's not like we got together and we're like, man, what are some fun things? Like, what's a cool buzzword? What do you think? What do you think? Like, let's do this, or um, man, this church has this value. Let's do that. No, it was under the Word of God, direction of the Spirit of God. Begging God, like, what is a picture of a disciple? And then us wanting to jump in and put that before you as Northway Church. So that would be true of us, and that would be true of our whole family together. So, man, I'm excited about today. Today is value number five, and we're on the value of mobilization. There's this idea of uh, even the root word, like a mobileness to the people of God, a going to the people of God, that there would be this movement among the people of God, not for a few special people, but for all the collective people of God. And so if you have a Bible... We're going to be in John chapter 20. Um, if you are grabbing one of the Bibles in the seat in front of you, it's on page 906. If you have your device or just you brought your Bible, John, Gospels, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, <clears throat> John chapter 20, starting in verse 19 is where we're going to read. I should say, um, I mean, I think we always give credit where credit's due as we preach the Word of God, but I mean, just particularly as I open this up for us, I just want to thank man, my wife, Caitlin. She's been so instrumental in me just seeing some of the aspects of this text and really thankful to a pastor in Philly named Jay Thomas and, and then a professor at DTS named Scott Harrell. They've been helpful as I've looked at this text. Verse, verse 19, chapter 20, verse 19, <clears throat> here's what it says. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you give the sins uh, of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold the forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Just pray with me. Father in heaven, we want to see your name glorified today. We just want to see you be made much of among every people. We don't want to be only a gathering people. We long to move and go. We want to be a part of a great global movement where people are awakened all over the world for your namesake. I just ask that you'd show us who you are today. I just ask that you'd show us who we are, that you would, you would silence our fears. I pray you'd show us what you have for our church. And Lord, we just confess, as always, that um, your word under your spirit really are enough for your people. So thank you. Pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you don't know me too well. Um, 
name's Jonathan, one of the pastors here. Confession, I'm not originally from Dallas. I don't know if that's helpful or not helpful for you, but I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, spent most of my life there, had the privilege of spending two years uh, overseas in East Asia, and then was brought here for grad school. So about um, seven years ago or so, I'm, I'm in grad school, and our final year, they're giving us an opportunity to, to teach classes. There was a lay institute downtown at at this um, school called DTS, and I was teaching a class on the theology of suffering. I feel like whenever you're teaching a class like that, you need to be ready for what's coming your way. So I'm um, never forget, I'm leaving my little dorm and apartment. I, I've got my notes. It's week three. I'm pumped. I am just ready to bring this message to the people of God. And I begin to cross the street, this little intersection where there's a stop sign at the intersection. I see the car. I think they see me. Um, hello. I'm, I'm walking crossing and they just peel out out of nowhere and just run right into me. Um, it's funny for me. I don't know why it shouldn't be funny. So um, they hit me. Uh, I Thankfully, they stop in that moment, see me. I fly up on the, the, the little uh, hood of that car. And, and if you know me, like, I just want people to know it's okay. I think I'm almost like waving them like, hey, I'm okay. You okay? You know, and they... Uh, they weren't having it. I, I kind of flipped off and, and they're gone, you know? And so I, um, they seem like they're doing okay. I start limping towards theology of suffering class. Thank you very much. Um, and, um, and it won't be shocking to tell you that the next time I taught week four and five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 of that class, when I got to that intersection, when there was a little tentativeness going on in me. There was a little like, Car, okay, going around you this time. Like, I don't know who you are. You see me, but I don't know if you really see me. And, and you won't be shocked to know that even today, if I go around there, like, I see that intersection, there's a little bit of like, okay, I remember it. Like, I, I'm probably gonna go around. Even my wife gives me a hard time for this. If there's, a, if there's a parked car and I sense they're going anywhere, I'm never, and this is probably just wise, I think it's a pro tip, but I'm never going right behind that car. I'm, I'm making the craziest loop. Like, people are like, are you okay? Like, like the, the direction right here, and I will make a loop, a loop of a loop, you know, just to not get close to that car. Now, now why in the world tell you that? Here's why. When it comes to issues like mission, when it comes to things like that we've been saved, not just um, from something, but to something, when it comes to topics of going and sending and mobilization, man, I don't think it's that the church hasn't tried to cross the street in many ways. Is that if we're honest that, that we have and we got hit, like we got banged up a little bit. It's some of our stories. And now like it's, it's not that most of the believers I know, it's not that there isn't this deep desire that we would go and make much of the name of Jesus. It's just along the way that we're, we're entrapped by these, these fears and these, the, our own sin and brokenness that comes out or that conflict and disunity we saw happen or, or that doubt we saw, how we begin to wander in that moment. And they just become these, these places of, of banged upness where we're, we're, we're trapped a little bit and not sure that we have the ability to cross the street again. Back to our text in, in John chapter 20. Um, it's the evening of Easter Sunday. Isn't that sweet? And the disciples have been hit by the proverbial car of the death of Jesus. They're staying on this side of the street, so to say. They're anxiety-ridden, fear-stricken, hosting a holy huddle gathering in a locked room, okay? Hear that. They have locked the doors in John 20. Not that the lock could have actually prevented their fears from being realized. I mean, it was just three days ago, the images and scene just imagining pounding in their hearts 
and in their head, they have seen their Lord, all at the hands of Jewish leaders, betrayed in a garden, put under the trial under Pontius Pilate, be traded for an insurrectionist, crucified between two criminals, and die a horrifying death, baking in the noonday sun. They either saw it or heard about it because many of them ran. Some denied. They hid. They all got away except the one who betrayed Jesus. And now they are hiding for fear of the Jews, the text tells us. The same Jews whose hands mark the death of their Lord. And so, so hear this. It's into that fear-stricken anxiety-laden, holy huddle gathering, locked door room comes Jesus. And the text says, he stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now it's obvious the peace doesn't come right away, right? Like I long to see the videos of these disciples' faces. Like they've locked the door. They're afraid. I'm telling you, if I'm somewhere and I'm hiding and I've locked the door and you come through the door somehow and I don't know who you are and say, peace be with you, that's not helping me, okay? That's haunted, like haunted house stuff, man. Like that's, that's creepy. But unless it's Jesus and Jesus extends his peace to them. I think we all know this, like whether you're a parent or whether it's just in life, like saying to someone over and over again, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, that that's not super helpful. Like if I'm like, don't think about a tornado, don't think about a tornado, don't think about a tornado, like what I say not to think about? A tornado, look, you thought about it, what's wrong with you? You know, like, like it becomes this area of focus, but instead Jesus goes a different way. He doesn't try to direct their fears away and be like, stop but he tries to displace them. He says, peace be with you. He does displace them. It's his presence. It's, it's his person in living color right there among them. I love it that, that what happens for them, that this text says three times, is that they see the Lord and they're glad, verse 20 tells us. And then verse 21 is where we're gonna camp out. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. So here's our table of contents today, if that's helpful. We're gonna talk about the fact that of who God is, that we have a, a sent and sending God. This changes everything about the Christian life. And we're gonna talk about who we are, the back half of that verse, that we are a sent people. And we're gonna talk about who Northway Church is, that we wanna be a sent sending a mobilizing church. In fact, the way we've, we've kind of tagged this value of mobilization is that we, at Northway Church, we send and are sent to build God's kingdom. Here's what we see first. Jesus says this. He says, as the Father has sent me. So, so they've, they've seen Jesus. Get that. Like first, the disciples, they've seen the resurrected Lord. They've seen the one who's sent by the Father to die and rise again so that forgiveness of sins might be preached to all nations. And this is, in this true, like our call to going, like it always begins with seeing him. I mean, this has been true of all the great missionary sending-ish texts, right? Think about Isaiah 6. If you're familiar with your scriptures in Isaiah 6, um, Isaiah sees a picture of the Lord. And he, he sees our God high and lifted up, exalted. The train of his robe is filling the temple. And these angels, that as they speak, like they're shaking the threshold of the temple and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is our God. And in light of him seeing God, 
Um, They say, who will go for us? And he's like, here I am, send me. Like it wasn't, he didn't have to be like coerced. It was just, I've seen you, I'm in. I think about the text that Shay started our series off with in Matthew 28, it's the same thing. That they show up and the disciples see the resurrected Jesus and the text says they worship. And in the light of that, Jesus' great commission there, therefore, He's sending us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is how it starts, that that they they see the Lord. And what does Jesus say about himself? He says he's been sent by the Father. In the verse after, we have a picture of the coming Holy Spirit who will be be sent by the Father and the Son. So we have a picture of the triune God, ascending and sent God. So quick quick theology lesson, Uh, stay with me here. So our God is a triune God. He's one God in three persons. He's triunity, as has been said, before. He's one who. He's three what's. Tozer said this. He said it was a truth for the heart. In other words, he he thought about it. He's like, man, it feels like a brain freeze in my head. Like I'm struggling a little bit, but it's a truth that I, I bow down under and I worship. Like this is who our God is. That word Trinity is, it's never mentioned explicitly in the pages of scripture, but, but it bathes the scripture over and over again. It's all over the scriptures, that concept of the triune God, one God and three persons. And here's what we know about this God, that he's a perfect community of love. That he's a perfect community of love and generosity. And like when he creates, he does so as an overflow. Like it's not out of necessity or need. It's just the overflow of who he is. That he just longs to share who he is with his people. I love that about God. One of my favorite things about God. Another way to say it is that he's outgoing. You hear that? Don't think like introvert, extrovert. Just think the idea that like he's always spilling over himself. Think about, this will break down because we're talking about God here, but think about that friend that you have that whenever they encounter something they love, they long to share it with you. So it's like, you gotta go to this restaurant. Like, it's amazing. I want you to see it. And like, you've gotta see this movie. And man, you've gotta listen to this new song. It breaks down a lot of ways because your friend probably gives you a lot of recommendations. You're like, nah, sorry, you know? And, and your friend isn't doing it from with, with who they are. But God is always outgoing, wanting to share his goodness and his beauty with his creation. That's how he creates. And that's how he sends too, that God the Father sends the Son. And God the Father and God the Son, they, they send the Spirit and then God the Father and God the Son and Spirit, they get here in a minute, they, they send his people. God's always outgoing. And in fact, the word mission, this is, this is how we get it. it, comes from a Latin word missio, which actually means to send. Theologians have used this to describe a concept called missio Dei, which essentially just means God, it's God sending and then God sending us. So here's three, three words I think will be helpful as we think about the fact that, that our God is ascending God in this text in chapter 20, 21, Jesus just says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Three words around that, identity, love, and power. I think will help us track. Identity, love, and power. We've, we've seen some of this identity, that this sending, it's not me cherry picking some verse 44 times in the gospel of John. 44 times Jesus describes himself as sent that it's who he is. This is who our God is. It's not just something he does, sending our mission. It's it's who he is. It's inherent to his character and nature. Isn't that 
Isn't that beautiful? And this shouldn't be shocking to us as well, because isn't this the story of scriptures that are God's sins to bring rescue to all peoples? This is uh, Genesis 12, when God appears to Abram. And what does he say to him? He says, Abram, I'm gonna bless you in such a way. Why? Not that the blessing would stop on you, but that the blessing would spread through you to people that don't know. I'm gonna bless you so that you would bless so that all nations through your family might be blessed. And he says, this is gonna be so much your descendants. Look up at the stars that you won't be able to number it. And then we fast forward all the way to the end of our Bible in Revelation 7, and John sees this mass of people, and he says when he saw the multitude, it was a number that no one could count. Same idea from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and they're gathering on the throne, and they're giving worship to our God. In fact, the Jesus Storybook Bible says the same thing. Hello? This should be shocking. It says this, no, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, and everything to tell his people who he is. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue him. So this is who our God is. Sending and mission isn't just something he does. It's, it's who he is. It's, it's what he's doing right now. And that, that changes the game for us and being a church that wants to be on mission or being a people that wants to be about, about, about sending. Why? Um, I think of, uh, we have two children. Uh, by the grace of God, we've got Maya, who's five and a half. Uh, she's hanging with us in this service, which is awesome. And we've got Judah, who's two. I mean, they're just amazing. These amazing gifts of God, these crazy bundles of energy and feistiness. And man, we're just growing as parents, learning how to, how to walk with them, pointing them to Jesus. And so about... Um, about nine months ago, when we moved into our apartment, we were putting together a bed. By we, like it was me, and then um, Judah and Maya are coming along and helping. And um, so I, uh, I'll just be honest, like I'm not the handiest person in the world. I might be like overstatement of the day, but I, um, I, I, I'm jumping in and I'm trying, and then Judah and Maya show up. And so I think I know what I'm doing, but they show up and they're like, Dad, like we wanna help too. And um, how are they helping in that moment? Like, you've been here in this moment, probably. How are they helping? They're not helping in such a way where I'm like, if you don't join me in the bed-making process, this isn't happening, you know? How are they helping? They're helping in such a way, well, what would any good dad do? They're like, of course, like out of grace, not out of need, but out of grace and love for my Judah. I'm like, come on, like, bring the hammer. As long as no one gets, like, that screw and an eye or something, like, let's go for it. Let's have some fun. And this is what our God does. It's not, it's not from guilt. See, many of us get propelled into this by guilt, like cross the street, cross the world, guilt. Like here's all the issues out there and, and here's all the things you need to be doing and we're propelled by guilt and shame. Maybe I can better myself before God. Or some of us, it's greed. Like we've been told, like there are these things in my life that I, I don't like that they're happening right now, but maybe, like maybe if I go to that table and like sign up for something, like maybe God will kind of fix it. It's this like karma-like idea. That, that God will respond uh, based on what I'm doing and kind of fix the things in my life. But this amazing God, if it's, if, if it's who he is, if sending and sentness is who he is, then it's not guilt, it's not greed, it's just the gospel of grace. It's him, it's him inviting us into his story and saying, come on in, like, like join on in. Like I'm doing this, it's happening, come join me in it. So beautiful. But not just identity, our second word, love. That, that when we think about Jesus saying, I've been sent from the Father, one of the words that needs to come to my mind and your mind is just the word love. First John 4, 9 through 10 says it like this. 
In this, the love of God has been made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God, the father sends God, the son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins to at great cost to himself and great affection. Jesus takes our place. This has been said before. The righteous one is counted unrighteous so that unrighteous ones might be counted righteous. This is what's happening. When you hear Jesus saying he's been sent by the Father, we're thinking identity, we're thinking love. And I know, I know, I know some of us might um, just hear this idea that God has great love and value for the lost. And, and that word lost, on some of us, it might sound condescending, particularly if you're here today and you, you don't necessarily, you're not sure that you track with everything we believe, or if you just have coworkers and friends, like that word might be hard to, to put our arms around. Like, like, why is he calling it lost? Like that, that's just condescending. Like, what's up with that? And, but the thing we need to see is like that, that term actually shows great affection, that Jesus might be sent to pursue and rescue and chase the lost, shows great affection and love and prize for people that are far from God. How is that possible? Well, I think of the parable in Luke 15 where Jesus tells three stories of a sheep, a coin, and a, and a son. And, and, and the reason that people in that parable are searching desperately and diligently for the things that are lost is because they have great value to them. Maybe this is helpful. Like if I lose a paper clip, I'm not losing a lot of sleep over it. But if I lose $100, like I'm looking everywhere. Like I, I'm, I'm not gonna leave anything unturned. So, and even those parables, like you can just tell I haven't been much of a, a shepherd because I think, man, there were, there were a, a hundred sheep. He lost one. You still have 99. Like, isn't that good? Like, I think that's good. But it becomes more real for me when I think about a son, like to lose a daughter, to lose a son. Like, I'm never gonna give up on that search. I'm never going to give up on that search until I hear not happening or I find my lost son or daughter. It's to communicate great love and value that this is who God is and that, that's true for us. We are, we're, we're people of great worth and value in the sight of God. If you saw the banners as you came in, just peoples around the world, we'll talk about that more in a minute, but who don't know Jesus, don't have access to Jesus, they're, they're people of great worth and value in the sight of God. Your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, they're, they're a person of great worth and value in the sight of God. God loves them, which motivates us into the mission. And then lastly, this word uh, power, that we see a resurrected Lord, that who has showed up is, is, is a resurrected Lord among these disciples. Jesus lived his ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't attribute his power to divine attributes, but instead to living his life under the power of the Holy Spirit. Both but Romans 1 talks about there was the spirit of holiness that brought Jesus up from the grave. Romans 8 talks about that same spirit is living inside of us, his resurrected body that just walked right through that door reminds us of the great power of Jesus. I think of this and I think about Caitlin and I, some of our, our best friends who've been sent to do, to do work overseas and can't detail too much what they're doing, but many of you know them. Their names are Joel and Nicole. And Joel, when he was uh, three years old, he got, he got ran over by a tractor in an accident. And his, um, for the rest of his life, um, he's been either in a wheelchair or most of the time he defers to crutches. The Joel, Joel walks on, on crutches. And I'll never forget about two years ago at one of our prayer gatherings, um, they were doing kind of a Q&A just to introduce themselves to our church body here. And Nicole asked him, um, she said, I get this question over and over and over again, Joel. 
we have two little girls, and I'm your wife, and you have a disability, and everyone asks us, why in the world would you go? And Joel, in only a way that he can, if you've heard his Australian accent, is just like, man, we have a king who conquered the grave. And that was so awful. If he listens to this, he's going to be embarrassed. But... <laughs> He just began to talk about the King Jesus. He got up from the grave and he infused that power into his people. And if that's the case and those disciples see him, nail-scarred hands, but he got up, what could be in our way? What could stop us? I'm plowing through anything to search and to save and be a part of the mission that he's already on, to rescue people that have been lost, that need to be reclaimed and brought back to the Father because I go in his resurrection power. And you hear Joel and everyone wants to bust through a door and go down somewhere to make much of Jesus among people that don't know him. So, so Jesus starts off to these disciples and he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He starts off saying, as the Father has sent me. Almost every time, just, just do a study on this sometime. When you find Jesus in the gospels, a majority of the time he's speaking to someone and he's sending them out on mission. It's not just who God is, that he's this God on mission, this sending God, it's, it's who we are. He says this, so I send you. I love this. I want, I want you to hear this with me so much, church. This call, and many of us have never heard this before, and many of us just need to be reminded of it, but this call, this is who we are. And, and another way to say it is this call to be sent, to be on God's mission, to be mobilized, to go, it's a call for all Christians. It's a call for all the church. It's not a call for super spiritual Christians or this type of Christian, or I've been in this scenario Christian. It's a call for all. Think about this. Um, this isn't shocking because again, this is the activity of the church. This is why the church exists, to worship him and then to, to be on his mission. Matthew 28, talked about it numerous times. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea and all the earth. This is the purpose of the church. If the church isn't doing this, I don't know what we're doing. This is why we might have a Department that gives way to this, but you'll see these aspects in every department of our church, Lord willing. Um, this, is, this is why we were saved. Like some people, at times, there becomes this idea like we're saved to, to keep it to ourselves. I know that sounds crazy, but in some, in some circles, there's a lot of holy huddling going on. But, but First Peter says this, it says that you've been brought out of darkness into light so that you may proclaim his excellencies. This is why we're saved. Think about the people God uses. It's regardless of age. Sometimes age becomes an excuse or an obstacle to crossing the street, crossing the world. No, Abraham and Sarah, they're in their 90s when the promise is fulfilled that they would see a son, that blessing might be brought to all nations. In Exodus 7, Moses and Aaron are 80 and 83. This is crazy. In, in, in the book of Kings, Josiah is eight when he becomes king. Hello, that might not go well, but I'm just telling you, God, God uses whoever he wants. First Timothy 4.12 says this, let no one look down on you because of your youth. I think in some parts, like we, we demean a certain type of not just age, but at, at times it's gender. I love how women are the first evangelist from the tomb. Like right in the context of our verse, they are the first ones proclaiming of the resurrected Lord. And what's crazy about that is they wouldn't have been seen as credible witnesses in this day and time. And it's almost like our God and Jesus is saying, look how much of value and authority we give to these women where you don't think they're credible. I'm gonna let them be the first witnesses that proclaim that I'm up from the grave. It's amazing. This is true regardless of ethnicity. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how God has brought one new man, no longer Jew, no longer Gentile, no longer this ethnicity or this one. It's all 
all people, I'm bringing them together in Christ that they might proclaim my praises. This is true regardless of your past. Exodus 3, I love that God shows up to Moses and God says, I've seen the difficulty out there. Like I've seen the brokenness in the world. I've heard about it and I'm gonna do something about it. So Moses, I'm going to send you. And Judges, God shows up to Gideon and Gideon is scared inside a wine press, freaking out. And God says to him, mighty man of valor, I'm sending you. To Mary, he shows up to a teenage girl in great poverty and says, I'm gonna use you, that you might be the one that gives birth to this Messiah. Um, this is true regardless of profession. This is probably one of the ones that we talk about a lot. We need to keep growing and empowering. Did you know, many of you are in our study on Acts right now, did you know that in Acts 8, 1 through 4, the first time the gospel spreads is not from apostles, but from everyday ordinary people? I love that. Hear that. Did you know that the first international mission trip, so to say, the first go trip was by a layman named Philip? where God just picks them up and carries them across the world and says, speak my gospel to that person. Did you know the church of Antioch, the church of Antioch was a hub for missionary activity in the last half of the book of Acts. It wasn't planted by some super Christian, professional Christian apostle, but the text says, but some brothers. In other words, their names are not recorded. Presumably no one would have known who they were. Apollos, another layperson, first carried the gospel to Ephesus. When you think about the church established in Rome, another unnamed person. Almost like God trying to say, do you see how this mission goes forth? You are sent. He uses doubters, stutters, murderers, deceivers, cowards, prostitutes, sexually broken. These words from Jesus are a commission for all Christians, not a commission for some Christians. And what's amazing is this is who you are. This isn't shocking because I love our church because this has been our church. When I think about foster care and adoption movement of over 30 families involved in it, it was started by lay members. When I think about our most profound ministry happening at TJ and Carrie right now, carried out by lay members. When I think about one of our couples that was in the health and fitness arena and then also um, the wife there and then husband was a pilot, like they tried to figure out how can we use what we're good at strategically for the mission of God. And so they moved to the Middle East and now he's working in the airline industry. She's in health and fitness, but they're there so that God might be made much of among people there over and over and over again, people saying and realizing we are sent. That's who we are. I just want you to be reminded that, that that's who you are too. And I think for some of us, we try to drum this up. Like if I do this good deed, like then it shows that I am. But what's amazing is that we do these things, not, not to become God's children, but because we are God's children. I think of my daughter, Maya, like, um, I, I mean, I just love Maya so much. And one of the things that's fun about Maya is she does what any child does. I just get to see her imitate me in different ways. And so it's scary and fun at times. And so a couple, a couple of years ago, um, when I was leading services, apparently I need to get a lot better at leading services. You guys should have told me that. But I, I, I'm, I'm up here leading services and Maya's watching me and I have a Bible and I'm transitioning to the time of music. And we get home that day and it's awesome. Maya picks up this small little Bible that Kay Carroll had given her and she holds the Bible in one hand and she's like, um, and she's like, and let's introduce the band. And I'm like, what's happening right now? And she's like, dad, I'm being you. And I'm like, is that what I did? What? Like you have a Bible and let's introduce the band. Like, I don't know that's how we do it, but maybe I do it. Like I need to grow in that. But why, why in the world is Maya doing that? She's not doing it that she might become my child. She's doing it because she is. She already is. And she's just operating on the things she sees dad do and the things that are in her DNA. That's true of us. This is who we are. 
And if identity was true of him and identity is true of us, and if love and power are true of him, then love and power are true of us, that we get to be sent as the Father has sent the Son and the Father and Son have sent the Spirit. The Son sends us and the great love of the Father and the power of the Spirit. If I'm honest with you guys, there's a lot of times where I just don't feel that power. I want to, but I don't feel it. This past week, I was eating at Torchy's with a good friend of mine, and I walked up to the lady there and just trying to be kind to her. It doesn't always work for me, but trying to be kind. And she just stops and says, man, you, you've been so kind to me today. And I go, pastor, I go, I worked at Starbucks for three years. I just know what it's like to be in your industry. She's like, well, that makes sense. And I walk away. What? Like, so somehow I let her know, like, I was kind to you because I worked at Starbucks for three years. Just pastor fail. So I go to my table and I'm sitting down with one of my best friends and, I'm, and I tell him what I did. I'm like, this is crazy. I told her Starbucks. I gave like Howard Schultz glory for that. Like I, I told, I don't even drink coffee. Like what's wrong with me? Like I told, and he's like, oh my gosh, you're an idiot. You know, like I know. And I said, will you just pray for me? Will you pray that God would give me power? Because this is gonna be super embarrassing. But I need to like go back up and tell her what really happened. That's just awkward. Isn't that not awkward? She doesn't know me. So he prays for me. I'm like, God, same spirit in me. I'm going back up. Here I go. You know, like, and there's a break in the line at Torchy's, crazy enough. And I just go up to her and I say, this is going to sound really strange, but I just want you to know, like a minute ago, I kind of said that the reason that I was kind to you was Starbucks. And she's looking at me like, this is like a date? Like, no, I'm married. Like, I, and I say, um, I say, I, I want you to know that actually, um, man, if you would have known me years ago, like, I still struggle with this time, but I used to just see people as like objects. Like they're just in my way. Like, give me my tacos. Like, give me my drink, you know? And Jesus has changed me. Like now when I see people, like by the grace of God, like I see people. And um, if you know me years ago, like I still struggle with this some, but I'm just ridden with anxiety. And, but now like Jesus has spoken peace over me. And like now I get to be present with you. I don't have to be anxious about like phone and what's happening over here. Like I get to be with you and he's changed me. I say, do you, do you have a story like that? And, um, and she was like, my dad does. My dad has a story like that, uh, but I don't know. I, like, I'm still trying to figure that out. And like, we got to, you know, she's not baptized today. It's not one of those pastor stories where there's a bow in the story. And like, here she comes. Come on out. Her torch, you know. We're not doing that today, but I'm just believing by the grace of God that that, that God's depositing seeds. And it's because of his power, not mine. And I just think about his love. I just think about his love that he shows up in a resurrected body, but, but he shows up, see in the text, he shows up, Jesus is sending them and he has a wound in his side and he has wounds in his hands. I think for some of us, like the mission of God around the world or here at times, it, come, it comes across as dominating, particularly if there's some jadedness around this. But I want you to see his wounds. And it's just a mentor in my life has said, mission and mobilization at its purest form is not dominating. It's laying down rights and laying down life. It's this confident posture that Jesus is alive, but this humble posture, this humble posture of extending the good news of Jesus humbly to those around us. And here's the, the thing about that. As we know this, like there's great cost in crossing the street. There's great cost there. Like we've, some of us have felt it, like the relationships or my own personal life or what happened here, I got burned. And, but the cost is worth it. Like, like the, the, the dying to self, we, 
we will send some globally overseas and they might have to lay before the Lord their, their very physical lives. While some of us are just dying to our own flesh here today, but this good news produces hope. The late Donald Barnhouse was a Bible expositor and pastor in Philly. And when his children were a little younger, his wife passed away and they're coming back from the funeral and he's like trying to grasp with like, how in the world do I tell them this? And at that moment, like the shadow of a great moving truck passed in front of them and then the truck pulled in front of them and cut them off. And Dr. Barnhouse said this, children, would you rather be run over by a truck or hit by its shadow? And the children said, well, of course, dad. Like, we'd much rather be run over by the shadow. That can't hurt us at all. Dr. Bonhouse said, did you know that 2,000 years ago, the truck of death ran over the Lord Jesus in order that only its shadow might run over us? This is true of us as believers in Christ. Only hit by the shadow of these losses. Only hit by the shadow of these difficulties and costs because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's not just who God is that he's ascending God. It's not just who we are. It's, it's our longing for Northway Church. And I should say this, um, when it comes to Northway Church, man, this value, some of the values we preach here, they're aspirational. Like we hope to get there, like we're doing it some, but we hope to get there. This is not an aspirational value. By the grace of God, um, man, this call, the call to join God in this mission and going outward with love that moves and goes, it's been the identity and roots of our church. I think about the rich history we have. Northway Baptist Church planted churches like Parkway Hills and Prestonwood. I think about, um, many of them are in here, just the group of our seasoned saints that stayed. And when this church was dying, said, we're gonna stay and we're gonna trust God for mission. In fact, we're gonna eventually give the keys of the building and the resources to, 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 to a church that we don't know, but we're beginning to trust that the glory of God might be made much of. I think I heard this this past week, this was awesome, in 1977, and this church led the Baptist Convention in baptisms. How sweet is that? Like, this has been part of our history. I think about the last 10 years at the Village Church, almost 10 to 11 years, we have regularly, every month, got together as a church and prayed. And when we prayed, we begged for the mission of God to go forth, for mobilization to happen locally and globally. I think about our inroads with schools like Transform. My wife and I started a, a gospel community. It was called a home group at the time, um, eight years ago or so uh, by Dade. And I'll never forget when we met with the principal, and it was at the time it was downtown South Dallas area, when we met with the principal and said, we're from the Village Church. She was like, the Village Church? The one that does Transform? I'm like, Yes, you know, she's like, you can do whatever you want, whatever you want to serve. If that's you guys, do whatever you want. Like the Lord has blown so many doors open with favor among our neighborhood. About 40 people have been sent overseas. I think of women like Stephanie Cox working in audiology. I think about the Smiths, so I won't detail too much, but they just have a great missionary name. If you're called the Smiths, like security is gonna be hard to find them because everyone's the Smiths. But anyway, um, I think about Sarah Hood and Cat Powers. I think about the Savikos that they created an alphabet for a people that didn't have one. They're like Tolkien among us. Like that's crazy. I think of names that I can't mention who have heard the stirring and who have gone to use their vocation strategically here or strategically there for the mission of God. And I think about what the Lord is doing right now among our church body. And I think about what he did through the tornado. And it's not a coincidence that it happened three weeks after roll-off as if God is saying this, not a good thing, tornado, but I will use this. This is still gonna be your identity that you would know you're a people, you're not just a place. You're, you're put here intentionally. It's not just a gifted few, it's a gifted many. We're gonna spread the good news of Jesus together. 
But at the same time, like it's been part of our DNA, but Paul shows up at times to churches and says, you're so loving, I want you to love more and more. And I think he'd say the same to us. Northway, I see you're sending, I see it, amazing, I see you, but let's abound in it more and more. Let's grow more and more. This is why over the last year, we've tried to make some changes in our church. I'm not gonna get into this too much, but it's why we've we put more eggs in the basket of mobilization and brought on these four new mobilizers, Roy and Alex and Rebecca and Zach from, from Launch Global, so amazing. But integrated, the DNA, staff on our church, it's why... Our department has tried to exist and say, man, we exist not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of of the community and for nations because the church tends to drift inward and we must push outward. But in light of that, what can we do? Like, what can we do? The call to be involved in God's purposes, what can you do? Like, what can you do today? It's a multifaceted call, this call for God's purposes. But today we're gonna give just a few things on emphasis on the nations here and around the world. The simplicity of it is you can go, you can send, you can welcome. You can go, you can send, and you can welcome. Some of you, God's just calling you to grow in awareness. And for many of you, he will send you. He will send you across the street to welcome. Um, But some of you, he will send long-term overseas to make much of his name among the nations. Just a couple things here. Did you know there's 7.6 billion people in the world? That is crazy. About 5 billion of those people don't know Jesus. That's staggering. Of the 5 billion that don't know, did you know that about 3 billion, they, they, they can't know? It's not that there's people that are afraid to cross the street. It's that the street's never been crossed. We call them, it's the signs out there. Um, we're, we're talking about people groups and we're talking about all nations. In Matthew 28 in the commission, Jesus says this gospel is to go to all nations. The, the phrase is panta ta ethne. It's ethnos. It's all nations. We're not talking about political nations here. We're talking about unique culture and languages. People that their unique culture and language makes it so there's access to the gospel. And then you bump up to another people group where you have to, to, to learn a new culture and language. I just think about the country of India, for example, there's hundreds upon hundreds of people groups, like unique pockets of culture and language where you have to cross them that the good news of Jesus might be made known among this people. Those are biblical nations, according to the Bible. These people are separated from God and they need forgiveness. And then among those people groups, when we say unreached, what we're talking about is some, they don't, they don't have access to the good news of Jesus. It's not that they've heard it and said, no, thank you. It's that they can't hear unless someone comes from outside their people group and tells them. Technically, less than 2% of the world finds, or less than 2% evangelical is what defines this. And about 40% of the world is this. I think of the Brahmin as an example. 63 million people represent about seven countries and 0.01% know Jesus. There are people that they don't know about the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. They can't sing these songs. They don't know these songs. They can't experience the goodness we're experiencing unless that goodness spills out from a sent one to say, here is what's happening. Some of you will go, but many of you will send. When I say send, I'm just talking about this is the whole body sending. You'll pray or you'll give or you'll care. One of the greatest difficulties among our workers overseas is just resiliency. That, that because of some team conflict issue that happened or some sickness or some thing that happened among their organization or disease, like they can't withstand and they need people that partner with them and pray, believing that God moves as we seek his face and people that partner to care and people that partner to give so they can go. We're gonna talk more about that at the tables outside. And then just lastly, welcome. 
that we'd welcome here, that we're strategically here for the sake of God. There are 10,000 international students in Dallas from over 100 countries. 80 to 90% will never step foot in an American home. They just need to be welcomed. They need to be welcomed in the name of Jesus. Go, um, send, by pray, give, or care, and then go. I and mean, as we close, um, in Luke 15, we talked about this earlier, there's three stories, three episodes in one show. As a J. Thomas says, there's a sheep, there's a coin, and there's a son. In the first one, the man goes after the sheep and looks high and low, high and low, high and low, searches, 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 lost sheep, and he's searching. You expect symmetry here. In the second one, a lost coin and a great search. The woman sweeps up and down her house, looks under cushions, looks under couches, and she finds the coin. Lost, lost, seeking, seeking. But we get to the third one of the two lost sons, particularly the the lost son, and the question becomes, who was supposed to look for that boy? Who was supposed to look for that boy? Well, there was an earlier story in the scriptures of two brothers, of Cain and Abel, and God shows up to uh, Cain and said, where is Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And the implicit answer is yes, you're the older brother. How is he? What's happening? What's going on here? And then in our story, like the question becomes, who's supposed to look for that younger brother in Luke 15? Who's supposed to look? It would have been the older brother, but it would have been at great cost to himself because if the younger brother had come home, he'd be eating into his inheritance. If the younger brother had come home, he would be eating into to his money, to his reward. If he stayed at the house, older brother's inheritance. If he ate the calf, older brother's inheritance. If he did anything, if he's welcomed home, it would come at great cost to the brother. So where Cain wouldn't do it and where the older brother in our story wouldn't do it, where on the earth do you find an older brother like that? And we know this as Christians, that God had one beloved son who to all Christians is our elder brother. Jesus was the good son who fully obeyed the father, not to get a goat, but because he loved his dad. He saw us in a distant country. Oh, he crossed the street times a million in great love and affection. He left the father and found us in the dark. And then at great cost to himself, he he bore our sin on his body, riding us into his will, cost Jesus everything. We will inherit all things. We're eating into Jesus' inheritance, and he's not ashamed to call us his brothers. If our elder brother didn't leave us in the dark, then we must be those who search diligently for God's missing children and do that until they are found. That's how Jesus says it. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And let's pray, and then we get to celebrate the good news of the Lord's Supper together. Father, we love you, I just thank you for your kindness to us. I just thank you as always that your word under your spirit really are enough for your people. And Father, I just pray that you would stir among our body in ways that only you can, not guilt, not shame, not doing something to become your children, but just flowing from your love because we are. I just pray that you would motivate and you would stir and move for your namesake. Father, we're just thankful for your work among all peoples. I'm thankful for the the, the great legacy at Northway Church. I'm just thankful how we get to continue to be a part of this in the future. Uh, We love you and pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, hey, family, we have the privilege now of just celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, celebrating communion. I love that. If you're, if you're new to our church or um, you're checking out Christianity, I just want to let you know that what we're going to proclaim here in a minute is the good news of Jesus, that Jesus was loving enough to lay his life down for us, 
at the cross, and he was strong enough to pick it back up again in the resurrection. So if you don't believe that, don't partake, because we don't want it to be a bait and switch for you. You'd be like professing something you don't believe. But believers in Christ, as you, as you hold the bread here in a minute, as you hold the cup, I just pray that you're reminded of the, the good news, the gospel, of, of your Father uh, who, who loves you deeply, um, that the Spirit of God who's in you to empower you to do what you can't do, the Son of God who went at great cost to himself to, to, not to, um, to, to, to achieve that you might receive the identity that you couldn't achieve on your own. So we'll give you a couple minutes as the servers pass out the elements, and then we'll take the elements together here in about a minute.